This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I feel like the Holy Spirit just almost said, Tommy, just rest in the presence of what has just been created. Can you feel the weight? There's just a weightiness in this moment. And I believe many people came into this room this morning and came to the conference. One of the things that Pastor Tom said was that where you are, you chose to be there. And I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you chose to be here at action this morning. You know, there's an invitation in this kind of an atmosphere for miracles. There's an invitation in this kind of atmosphere for breakthrough. And I want us to rest in just a few minutes just to rest in His presence. Because with a word spoken like that, so often we can go on to the next thing and we don't rest. We talked about rest yesterday. And so I just want us to rest just for one minute. Because all of the conversations and all of the messages and all the principles, when we say, God, would you do something deep within us? Then we see life transformed. You know, God is reminding me of, we, we used to rollerblade down these halls when there was no carpets, when we were building. And we'd have so many, you know, falls and people would scrape their knee and there'd be blood all over the, uh, the, the cement. And then we'd have, um, we, we would come in here and write scriptures on the sides of the buildings. I remember writing, little kids would come in and they'd be like, God, what do you feel like God's going to do in this place? And they would get little crayons and they'd get, they'd get um, markers and they'd start to write, I believe God's going to play, God's going to pour out his spirit in this auditorium. People would say, I believe God's going to manifest his healing presence in this place. And so we don't just stand here. We don't just sit here in a great building. We sit here where God destined to move. We sit here in a place where God said, I want to move in that room. I want to move in that area. I want to move today. And so, Father, we just open up ourselves for an invitation for you to move deep within our souls, God. We're so thankful to be part of a church and a family that believes in reformation. That we don't stay the same, Lord, that you've, you've got promises for us. That you meet us where we're at. God, I just ask that your miracle working power fills this place, Lord. On the back of that word, God, that it would go out and that you would have your way in this place, Lord. That you would have your way in this place. I feel like the Holy Spirit would ask you, would ask us, what are we expectant for today? What are you expectant for God to do? What are you expectant for? Is it a fresh filling up is it a family member that needs to be touched that's been on the front lines of just the enemy's gates where you just felt like there's just been battle after battle after battle is it, is it a peace in your home how many of you feel like man I really really want peace in my home I've been contending for peace yeah look at all those people yeah, Father, we just thank you for your peace that passes understanding. God, we pray for your spirit to be on every family member of those hands that are raised, Lord. That they would, the accuser would be hurled down. 
that there'd be a thick presence of peace, God, even when they go home today, Lord, that there would be a shift in the atmosphere because you do things that are supernatural, not that we understand them. Lord, I pray for all the anxiety, God. As Pastor Tom said, that the enemy comes after our thoughts. Lord, right now I just ask that your Holy Spirit, your presence would dismantle, would dismantle, disarchitect any mind-blinding spirit in this place, Father, that there'd be an absolute flow of freedom in people's minds right now in the name of Jesus, right now, Father. If you've been struggling with anxiety, I want you to put your head to your hand and just believe God, Lord, I just ask in this place, Lord, you said in your word that we have the mind of Christ. And God, I just pray the mind of Christ over every person who's, who's acknowledged and said, God, I want you, we want you, Father. This is not from you. You died for this, that there would be a renewing of minds. And so, Father, we just declare renewing of minds in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right now. Right now, anxiety, you cannot stay here. Lies, you cannot be here. Not in this presence, not in this place, not in this atmosphere. You're building your church and you're building it based on your word, God. So we rely on your word today and your supernatural presence in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right now, just let God do his thing. Just allow God to do his thing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. I believe as we're expecting today, I want you to, in the course of these next two days, we have two more days of action. I want, I, I wanna, I wanna ask us to arrive in a, in a manner where we're saying, Lord, what could you do today? Because I think so often when you've been beat down and you've, 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 you've come back again and, and you know, the perseverance message that, Pastor, uh, that Bishop Vaughan talked about of the persevering nature, the courage that we've had, there's, there's, there's tendencies to say, okay, God, I know you, I, I kind of expect you to do the same thing, but God's doing a new thing. And so I want you to walk into the room. Let us walk into every session. Let us walk into every evening saying, God, what could you do tonight? What could you do today? Because your goodness is so good. You are Father, you look at us as sons and you give us good gifts. It's an amazing thing to be here, especially this year with my family. And I wanna show you a picture of them just in case you see them running around. Um, so there they are, Rachel's here. And uh, uh, yeah, we can clap, I guess. <clears throat> uh, Levi, Madison, Seth and Noah. And we, we, uh, we arrive. So if you see them, just give them a hug. Uh, tell them your family. Say, hey, I'm your uncle. I'm your auntie. Uh, make sure they know they've got a big family here. Uh, my, my, my son, Seth, we arrive and he, he, we're driving through. After a, it was a 35-hour journey to get here. So uh, we, we got some perseverance and courage on the way here uh, before we got to the conference. And so we arrive and Seth says to me, Dad, why is there so much trash in the streets? And I said, uh, he says, so is it fine to litter here? Like, is it okay just to litter here? 
I said, no, no, it's not. Um, and then he, then he sees guys in the combi hanging off the side. Because when, when, when we left, they haven't been back for a while because of COVID. And so he sees combi guys hanging off the and he says, so, so dad, what about seatbelts here? I said, well, <laughs> said, Does, it's not really a big deal. And then he immediately takes a seatbelt off, boom. <laughs> and he jumps up on the seat. And so it's been, been really good being here. And then Madison, my daughter, you know, it's amazing when you, when, when you, when you have a legacy of faith and, and, and you've been born into, you know, the church. My, my daughter comes in and the other day just really blessed my heart. Where we're staying, there's these places called healing rooms. And they allow kids to come in and actually practice and constantly get an understanding of laying, laying on of hands and healing the sick. And so my daughter comes back one, one, one afternoon. She says, Dad, in the healing rooms, guess what? I said, what? She said, God spoke to me. I said, she sp- he spoke to you. I said, what did he say? He said, there was this man that came in and he was, he was sick. And God said to me that there's something wrong with his, with his hips. And so I, I, I said, okay. And I put my hand on his hips and I prayed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And dad, you wouldn't believe. All of a sudden his hips came into place and he looked at me and he said, I feel a difference. And so my, my daughter, who's, who's seven years old, sorry, nine years old, woof, my wife would be mad at me, who's nine years old, um, my daughter who's nine years old is starting to learn that healing is part of our walk. She's starting to learn that the, the supernatural must be anticipated and that we don't walk away from the sick and say, hey, God bless you, but we actually say, Jesus, you do your work. And so it's an amazing thing to, to start seeing your sons and daughters do this. And, and I want to start off today in Mark 10, verse 27, if you can turn there. And it says, and they were bringing the children to Jesus so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that the disciples really feel called in this moment to rebuke the children and the people bringing the children. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. If we do not receive the kingdom of God as a child, I feel like in some times of my life, I've received the God as a professional. I've received the kingdom as a professional. I've received the kingdom as, uh, as, 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 as um, someone that's been around so long where that intimacy and that freedom of being able to just connect with Jesus is almost far gone. And I, I remember there was a man called Pastor Franz Crano. I don't know if you know Pastor Franz. Anyone? Just an incredible man. And he, and he had this childlike nature about him as it rela- relates to the kingdom. I mean, almost so much that when I was a teenager, all I, all I cared about was who, which girls were going to be at youth on the Friday night. And, uh, and guys, I'm serious. That's how it was. And so, and, but then Pastor France would come in and, and he would teach us and talk with us. And he would, he would, he would explain to us. He'd say, do, do you know, I really felt the embrace of the Lord this morning. And we're like, okay, how? 
And, and he said, you know, I was, I, was, I was at Connections and I was sipping my cappuccino. And then this hummingbird just came right next to, the, next to the window and I looked at this hummingbird and I just felt like it was the Lord sending the hummingbird to just say, France, I've got you. Now to a teenager that is only thinking about which girls are going to be there at youth on Friday. You're going, really? God said all that to you through a hummingbird? I didn't even notice there were hummingbirds in Zimbabwe. Like, <laughs> a different kind of bird, yeah. And, and, so, and, then, and, and you would have these interesting conversations of, of just the childlike nature of, you know what, the kingdom of God is at hand. We walk with Jesus, Emmanuel, he is with us. The Holy Spirit, is, as we've heard about, the, 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 the conversationist, the person that guides us, that speaks to us, that comforts us. He's with us now. He's with us daily. And I think, I think the, the, the disciples say, hang on a moment. There's some barriers here that you need to cross in order to embrace Jesus. Please don't do this. They felt called to rebuke the childlikeness. And so I think in the season of entering into the promise, one of the things that we need to look at is, is just the embracing of the kingdom of God as a child. Embracing the kingdom, this promise, because part of this promised land is the kingdom. The kingdom of God as a child. I grew up in an, in an authoritarian school which taught us to relate to authority in interesting ways. So St. John's most of my life in the Arams out there. Yep, one, great. We're connecting, man. So, we, so and, and basically the, the upbringing was, what can you do and get away with so that you don't get caught? So authority was there to be dodged. Authority was there to be pushed. And authority was there to see what you could do to get into trouble that wouldn't be too much trouble to where it would put a badge on you and you could laugh about it later in the lunchroom. And I remember, you know, you had this thing of... Of, of, of you, you need to make sure you look the part and even though your heart's not there. And, and what can we do to get away with all the boundaries and then if there is trouble, how do we make the trouble lots of fun? Anyone with me? And I remember there was one thing, we had, we had this thing called assembly. And assembly, you'd, you'd sing these hymn book songs and everything like that. And I mean, it, it became quite long because they did it like three times a week. And, and pretty, pretty, pretty soon by the Friday, people were restless. They wanted to go play rugby and get out. And I remember um, there, there were guys that were chatting and, and all of a sudden it became more chatting and guys were poking each other. And I think there was like a wrestling match happening during assembly. I mean, it was pretty bad. I think it was the end of term. And, and one, of the, one, one of the guys who were leading the school started calling all the boys up on stage, right? And the first three were like a little bit nervous. Like, and, and he said, we're go I'm going to beat these boys in front of everyone. And so, so you know, you, you're not there and you're going, yeah, those guys. <laughs> but then the ruckus continued. And then pretty soon, about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, there were 20 boys on stage. So now people were just excited to get up there. <laughs> and, and, so, and, and, so, and, and they weren't just standing like this. They were actually told to bend like this. So you had all these boys on stage bending. And, and the threat of the, 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 the head 
the head of the assembly at the time said, I'm going to, I'm going to whack everyone. And he didn't have anything, so he had his hand. I, I don't know if this is still happening, so please don't. Like, so, so anyway, he begins. Going down the line, smack, smack, smack. And the first, like, maybe 10 were, like, a little bit sore. You could see them flinch. By the time he got to 20, I mean, his hand is barely. So then people started going back for seconds. <laughs> and and, and now, now the whole, the guy doesn't know what's happening. The whole assembly is just laughing. And this guy just keeps going. And now he's wondering why the line is never ending. And I think, I think sometimes when we look at the way Jesus relates to children as an authority figure, I think sometimes we have to relearn how to relate to authority and how to relate to his kingship. Because so often we can obey out of fear as opposed to obeying out of connection and relationship. We can go after the promises and miss the intimacy. And so in Exodus 33 verse 15, we know the story. We've, we've gone, Moses has worked with the Israelites to go into the promised land. Let's fight for what we've been given. And, 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 and it's a promise from the Lord. And if anyone deserves to be in the promised land, I believe it's Moses. And so he's having this conversation with the Lord. And, and, and the Lord basically says, hey, you can go, but I won't go with you. You can go to the promised land, but I won't go with you. You can get everything that you've been desiring and the things that you've seen and the visions, but you won't, I will not go with you. And then Moses says to him, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. Do not send us up from here. You see, I would propose that the promises and the promised land is only as good as the promise keeper. Well, let me say it this way. The, the, the promises that we're going after in the promised land is, is only as valuable as our connection to the promise keeper. And Moses shows us this because there is an opportunity to get everything that was promised, but he says, I, I would rather have the intimacy. I would rather have the hummingbird come down while I'm sipping coffee. And I'd rather know that you're with me and embrace, have that embrace. Imagine getting everything that you wanted, but actually losing the connection with the Savior. And so there's something about the preservation of intimacy that I believe is important in this next season, in this next 40, if you will. My, 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 you know, the, 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 so the promises are only as good as the promise giver. Have you ever met someone who, does, who promises you things and you know that even when they promise them, it will not happen? It's almost like you need, you, you, there is no reason to believe in the promise. <clears throat> I tell this story a lot about my dad. Um, when I was 18, he, he took me on an initiation into manhood. And, and many people say that I'm, I'm, I push the envelope a lot. I, I risk my life with certain things. Well, you can probably blame him uh, because this is, this is how I was taught. And I, I remember... Um, we were driving. He said, hey, I want to I take you on a trip, Tommy. And he got me in the car. It was a Land Cruiser at the time. And we started driving into the bush. And my best friend was in the back. And if you heard this story, then you're going to hear it again. And 
I remember driving into the bush and my dad looked at me, you know, multiple times. I don't know where we were going, but we go through Banket, we go through Chinoy, and he looks at me in Chinoy and he says, hey, Tom, do you trust me? And I mean, you know those conversations with your dad when you're 18 and you're like, yes, I trust you, dad. And he's like, all right. Carries on. In Chinoy, we stop, or, or the next city, Karoy, we stop. Not, not stop, but he turns around, and we're, we're, you know, my best friend's in the back, his name's Andrew, and he looks at me, and he, and he says, hey, Tommy, I, I, I want to ask you one more time. You, you, you know that I promise not to do anything. I promise not to do anything to put you in a, a place that would destroy you. I mean, yes, Dad. Where's this coming from? And, I said, and he says, do you trust me? I said, I trust you. We carry on going. He says it one more time. We see that, that final time he says it. We see a hyena that's just come out of the bushes, bearing teeth. I think there was a bit of blood on something that it had just eaten. And, and he stops the car. This is a little bit after. He stops the car and he says to me, uh, do you trust me? And I mean, at that point, I'm getting a bit agitated because, because I don't know why he has to keep asking me this. And my best friend's in the back. And I think at this point, he's like, dude, you and your dad have some interesting relationship <laughs> where you have to talk about trust every town. Uh, and so he says to me, he says, if you trust me, he says, I need you to get out of the car and I need you to walk into the bush tonight. And we're at Kariba now. And, and I need you to stay the night there. And, you'll, and, and then I'll see you in the morning. But he promised, he promised me that he would never do anything to destroy me. <laughs> now there's a few other members of the church that if they did that to me, I would be staying in that car. I would not put one foot out that door. Because I know, I'm not sure, but the promises are only as important as the connection to the promise keeper. And so, so I get out the car because of the relationship. See, so many of us are trying to trump up faith in our actions when we don't have a relationship with the promise keeper. And so I start to walk out and I see this car drive off and my friend is wondering like what is happening with this father son. I mean I've seen some, I've seen some uh, relationships that aren't right but this, this is interesting. So we go out and there's someone that's been planted and it's a hunter friend, Pastor Carl. And he comes out after I've walked maybe a hundred meters or so. And he looks at me and says, Tom. And I don't see him because he's in the dark. This is about 12 p.m. at night. So I didn't realize. I didn't, I didn't say this. This is like 12 p.m. at night. So it's actually pitch black. So I'm walking in the dark. And this guy comes out and says, Tom. For a moment, I think it's the Lord. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, speak to me. And it wasn't the Lord, it was Carl. And Carl looks at me 
and he says, he's got a gun. And he says to me, he says, you know, I didn't think you'd actually step out. He says, but it shows the connection that you have with your dad. And I think about the rebuke of the disciples relating to Jesus as professionals and saying, please don't do this. There's, there's, there's a gap that you need to cross before. I'm not saying like we need, we need to learn, we, we need to grow, it's, this is all important. However, there is a promise keeper and an embrace and a walk with Emmanuel where his presence is better than life. And so, as we go into this promise, there's something about, um, in, in Psalms, if you could go to me with Psalms 147, verse 10 to 11. You know, God says this um, through the Psalms. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord favors those who fear and revere him. Those who wait for his faithfulness. Another version says those who wait for his loving kindness. Those who wait for his loving kindness. Some, I believe some of us here, and it's been said many times in the, in the different, in the different uh, messages that have been spoken, there's been a seed that God has planted and you're in this place of waiting. And there's an opportunity to take your strength and to go after the promises of God without the connection to go after the promises of God without waiting for his faithfulness. And I believe so many of us are in this auditorium tonight, believing or today, believing for something, and you're in that place of wait. But you're not just waiting in a place where you're saying, well, God, you're doing everything. We're waiting actively. We're actively waiting. We're saying, God, we're not gonna move until we see your faithfulness. We're not gonna move until we see and experience your loving kindness because I think the tendency when we don't see the promises quick enough is to say, let's figure this out by ourselves. Let's take the Ark of the Covenant to battle when we don't have connection with the Ark anymore. Let's wait for his faithfulness and his loving kindness. The wait is presence. The wait is is invitation. The weight is intimacy and the weight is inheritance. Let us not strive for what we've actually been given through inheritance. And the inheritance that God has given us is so demonstrated in the life of Jesus. You see, when, when we're in this waiting, how many of you feel like I've been in a waiting? I've been in a bit of a wait. Anyone, just... Look around the room. I've been in a bit of a wait. I want to tell you that the presence of God is coming to that wait, that there's an invitation to break through, that there's an intimacy that he's forming on the inside of you that could not have happened until that wait, that there's an inheritance that you are realizing that you don't strive for, but that you walk in because of your identity as sons and daughters of God. And when you're waiting, that's when the enemy comes to contend for the promise. He's the contender. He's the contender of the promise. He's the contender of the promise. And he's the accuser of the brethren. He hates it when we walk in our identity as sons and daughters. He hates it when we wait on the favor and the presence of the Lord. He hates it when we relate to Father, to Father God and to Jesus with intimacy. He hates it. And so if he can't cause us to lose our faith, then he will cause us to lose our intimacy. 
If he can't cause us to lose our courage or our perseverance, he will try and, and, and hit our intimacy. And that's why it's important to wait. You see, when Jesus was tempted, it was the accuser that came and the accuser didn't say, you will not do what you're called to do. The accuser asked him and we heard it, we heard it uh, yesterday and in, in, in I think Bishop Vaughan and in Pastor Taz's message, the accuser asked them to question the promise keeper. The accuser says, we will, I, I, I will come and I will have you question everything that was said about you. I will, have, I, will, I will have the accusations that you are actually not who you say you're going to be. And then we know in the, in, 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 in the story with Jesus where the, where the tempter comes down and tempts him. The temptation is to prove out of strength that Jesus is the Son of God, that he has power. And Jesus chooses to wait for the faithfulness of the Lord. You see, in this waiting period where God is birthing something on the inside the contender will come and contend not for the promises necessarily but for your connection to the promise keeper is this really you if you are a son and daughter of God then you should be able to move mountains and it's it's at that point where we have to look and say are we going to get this by strength or will we wait for the presence there's something about when the presence of God moves there's something about when the presence is there. There's something that says, I, I do not want that promise unless your presence goes with me. The accuser reminds you of your shortcomings, has you overanalyze your past, overthink your future, makes your direction, your directions more powerful than God's intervention makes your decisions more powerful than God's intervention. How many of you made decisions in your life where you felt the accuser just say, that cancels you out? How many of you have had relationship issues where the accuser comes and says, that's canceled you out? How many of you know that God's redemption story is more powerful than your decisions? I'm not saying decisions are important because yes, like we heard today, where you are, you chose to be there. But so often we get the accuser in our minds and we don't step out to say, actually, that is a lie from the enemy and I'm stepping into relationship with the promise keeper. It robs access to rightful inheritance and glorifies your mistakes over his ability to make things right. The accuser will glorify your mistakes. You messed up so bad. That one thing doesn't, doesn't work with the blood. It was too much. It was too bad. I refuse to listen to the accuser. I refuse to listen to the accuser. The accuser, for some of us, has been taunting the next generation, your sons and daughters. The accuser for some of us has been, has been bashing at our mindsets and our thoughts about we have this generation that's coming. We have, we have our sons and daughters, God. But what, what if, as we heard Bishop Vaughan say, what if it's a setup? What if there's a setup? 
Because when there's seemingly death, that's the perfect place for resurrection power to be. And so I declare that over everything, anything that's dead in your life, I declare resurrection power. Anything that's seemingly dead, Father, your resurrection power, your blood has access. I want you to give in that place, say, Jesus, your blood has access. Your blood has access to hurl down the accuser. You see, in Ephesians 1.15, Paul says to the Ephesian church, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope that he's called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. The riches of his glorious inheritance. We have a glorious church and that glorious church has a glorious inheritance. You did not earn that. You did not do anything to receive it. The grace of God was given to you. The gifts of God were given to you and the accuser will come and say, you're canceled out. But when you walk in a sonship and a daughtership of the Most High, there is no way He can take away your inheritance. Some of you in this place, God is recultivating vision, but He's recultivating identity. He's recultivating connection. He's he's recultivating the fact that there is a presence, Father, where you sit and you have a cup of cappuccino and a hummingbird comes down and you look and you say, Father, I can feel your embrace and I can feel your connection. You see, here's what the accuser will do. Sorry, this is where we need to be. Just position. We need to know the voice of the promise keeper, not the words of the settler. You see, our promises are only as as powerful as the connection to the promise keeper. Not the words of the settler. The settler will say, let's go change the world and let's use all the strength of man. Let's use the legs of men and the strength of horse to change the world. And let us, instead of seeing broken people filled with the Holy Spirit, let us go meet their needs without meeting their souls. Let us go see the supernatural power which Jesus gave us and said, go out, raise people from the dead, lay hands on the sick, they will recover. The settler will say, just go do the little bit that you know how right now. Let us not do the supernatural power because you do not have it in you. Because you canceled yourself out. How many times have we, have we felt an unction to say, God, we want to see you move. Lord, we see someone who's, who's broken. We see someone who's lying in the streets and we want to see their power move. But what happens is when we go down to lay hands on them, the accuser comes in and says, you canceled yourself out. The voice of the promise keeper, not the words of the settler. The words of the Redeemer, not the lies of the accuser. Not the lies of the accuser. I was in Budapest, Hungary a few months ago, and we were meeting with leaders from all over the world, Africa, Asia, Europe, the US, and there was a a prominent university leader there, and we're having lunch uh, or dinner, and he says to me, he says, you know what, the the number one thing we can't come up with, the number one thing we cannot keep up with is therapists. We have to have a whole division of therapists to help people with their minds. Dad, as you said, the battle is in the power of the mind. They cannot keep up with all of the anxiety and the suicidal thoughts and and, and the accusers just running rampant. 
And I said, so what is it doing? It's, they're saying it's, 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 it's ha- having people not focus on their calling, not focus on the word, not focus on intimacy. They're so concerned that they're gonna mess up that they do nothing. And this is the battle that we have against your sons and daughters, our generation, this, the, the, the generations that are rising up. And we have to say that the accuser has to be hurled down The accuser has no place in our church, no place in our families. The accuser has no place in our minds. And I think it's important that we take a stand and say, Father, the promised land includes the mind of Christ. Not the lies of the accuser. Pass on the power of intimacy, not only the promise. The power of intimacy, the place of overflow, when we walk in the sonship and the daughtership of who Jesus is, the inheritance that's rightfully given to us that we never earned, that we never asked for. We ask for it when we ask for Jesus to come into our lives. But I think one of the most, one one of the most, I think scary things for the enemy is to see people that know who they are. And Celebration Church, the church of Zimbabwe, I believe that we have a connection to the promise keeper. And in that, the promised land is right there. And it won't be out of strive. It will be out of work. It will be out of diligence. It will be out of effort. But there will be a promise keeper of flow. Because in this last statement, it's, easy to, it's, it's, it's more powerful to pass on the power of intimacy than the promise. Have you ever had, have you ever had a really good relationship where, you know, someone had so much to give you, like, you know, like, uh, I won't go to specifics, but where that relationship has such benefit either side, but to where the benefits actually don't compare to the connection that you have when you sit and you talk and you discuss life. Now, let me ask you this. If you had, if you broke connection, there was a fracture in that relationship and someone said to you, but you can still have all the things, but you can't have the connection. You wouldn't even care. Even if it was houses in Nyanga, even if it was access to, you know, a boat on, you know, Mazvika Day, you'd be like, I don't care about that. Because nothing could take the place of intimacy. I'd rather have intimacy than all the things that I could get from a relationship. I'd rather have intimacy than anything that I could benefit you from or benefit me from. And so as we enter into the promise, the promise keeper, Revelation 12 verse 10 to 11 says, For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. And I believe before each other, those who accuse us day and night before God, he's there every day, every night saying, here's how this cancels out. Here's how this doesn't work. Here's how you messed up. Here's how your decisions are more powerful than the grace of God. Here's how your issue right now is more powerful than the Redeemer's story. Here's how your narrative is so messed up. It has no place for the blood. This accuser has been cast down. And they have conquered by the blood and the lamb and by the word of the testimony. Let me tell you something. Today, if you feel like, God, there's places in my life that I haven't given you access. Once you give the Lord access to those places, you can't have intimacy without the blood. The blood of the Lord, the blood that gets shed for our sins, for our iniquities, for our diseases, pulls us into intimacy with the promise maker and the promise keeper. 
Mark 16, verse 14. It says, Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. Jesus had just died, rose again, and he was walking. He was walking as a resurrected Savior. Imagine that. Imagine the power. Imagine the glow. I mean, he wasn't even recognizable in most cases. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. Jesus had sent people to say, hey, go tell them. Go tell them I'm here. Go tell them I'm here. Go tell them intimacy is here. Go tell them that the connection is here. And he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had sent him after he'd risen. Now, if I'm a leader and I have to rebuke my team, I'm going to say, you know what, guys, we've got a, we've got a few more years here. We, we've got to get back, back to the drawing board, huh? But he says, right after that, he says, go into the world. There was no place for the accuser. Go into the world, preach the good news to all creation. And the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord walked with them, confirmed the word by signs that accompanied it. You see, if I'm a disciple and I get rebuked, I may go into my own wilderness for two years and the enemy has all his way with me. If you're in a place where you just feel rebuked, you're perfect for being sent. The accuser of the brethren has no hold. And we walk in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb has access. I want to spend just one moment. I want you to picture the place in your life where you feel like there's been accusation. I want you to picture a place, a relationship, where you feel like there's been the accuser, where you feel like there's been iniquity. And I want you to picture the blood of Jesus pulling you close and getting access just where you are, whatever you need to do to surrender and just posture your heart before the Lord. could be just opening your hands. could be putting your hand on your heart. And just in your own way, Jesus. Just say, Jesus. It could be a place where you've struggled with sickness or disease. Say, Jesus, I want connection, Lord. I trust you as the promise keeper. I give you access. I give your blood access. And then you just say it to this. I give your blood access, God, to the fiery trials of my family. I give your blood access to this relationship. I give your blood access, Lord, to this place of forgiveness. Lord, I forgive these people, Father. I forgive the slanderers, Lord. I forgive those who persecuted me. I, I forgive. I want you to see the blood hit those places. Father, you shed your blood for this moment, God. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood has access. Where your blood has access, the accuser has no place. Where your blood has access, the accuser has no place. May the peace of God be on us, Father. May we enjoy and walk 
in your presence, Lord, as a promise keeper. Lord, may we wake up in the mornings, God, desiring you. May we walk into boardrooms, Father, desiring you. May we walk into family meetings, desiring you, God, desiring your touch and your intimacy, that you would be with us, Emmanuel. That the promises come and that we connect and have connection to the promise keeper. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.